0: this is our penultimate session for today and the conference and our speaker for this event is Mufti Asif. Mufti Asif began his Islamic studies after eighth grade at the Islamic Institute of Education in Chicago, Illinois, where he completed his fifth, after which he also completed his alim course at the same Institute. After studying abroad at many prestigious universities, Mufti Asif came back to the United States where he taught at Medina al-Ulum in Virginia. He joined us as the Imam of the Darussalam Masjid, in the beginning of December, or the beginning of this year and so he will be talking to us about the importance of time ladies and gentlemen mufti Azad former assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. was salatu was salamu ala rasulihil karim wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in amma ba'd faqad subhanahu ta'ala fil quran al-majidi wal furqan al-hamid بعد أن أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وصخر لكم الشمس والقمر دائبين وصخرا لكم الليل والنهار وآتاكم من كل ما سألتمو وإن تعدوا نعمة الله لا تحسوها صدق الله العظيم وقال الله تعالى والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواسوا بالحق وتواسوا بالصبر وقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اغتنم خمسا قبل خمس شبابك قبل حرمك وصححة قبل سقمك وغناك قبل فقرك وفراغك قبل شغرك وحياتك قبل موتك وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام نعمتان مغبون فيهما كثير من الناس الصحة والفراغ أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام My dear respected brothers and sisters there is a famous phrase which you all know and that phrase is time is money or time is gold. now if you ask different people as to what is the value of time different people will evaluate time in a different way you will get different answers from different people for example time in the eyes of a farmer may mean crop time in the eyes of a student may mean knowledge the bottom line here is that every person realizes that time is the most important thing that one has in the words of Hassan al-Basri, one of the most famous of the Tabeereen, he says that man is made up of time. In his words, he said, Yabna Adam anta that, oh man, you are but time. And then he goes on to say that, that, with, with the passing of each and every day, a part of you leaves you. A part of you leaves you. And to emphasize this very point, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself took an oath in the Holy Qur'an. He said, wal asr, by the oath of time. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted us with so many nirma, so many blessings. And to emphasize this point, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, wa in la That if you were to, to try to count the blessings that Allah Subh'anaHu, Ta- Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had bestowed us with, then we will not be able to do so. Now, prior to this part of the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the ni'mah of time. Allah says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has subjugated for you the sun and the moon. That He has changed for you the sun and the moon daily. And also He has alternated for you the night and the day. These are the ways why? By which we measure time. These are the ways by which we measure time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us what we have asked for. For example, he says, وَعَتَاكُمْ مِن كُلِّ مَا And then he goes on to say, وَإِن نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا So, one of the greatest, bount- the greatest bounties that we have been blessed with is time. And there are certain things that also wait for no one, and one of these is time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, وَالْعَسْرُ But if you look in the Qur'an, not only has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala given an oath on time as a whole, But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also given an oath on various parts of time for emphasis. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, ida asas, wa subhi ida tanafas," That by the oath of the night and the day. By the night when it arrives, by the oath of dawn, when it breaks. And duha by the oath of the mid-morning, etc. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed an emphasis upon different parts of time for what reason? For the reason of emphasis, taqeed. He has put the on the ni'mah of time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has reported, has repeatedly taken these oaths to give importance to this, that depending on how we spend our time, our future will be fashioned according to that. Depending on how we choose to use time, our fashion will be. Uh, our, our future will be, sorry, fashioned according to that. So, respected brothers and sisters, this is why Rasulullah has said in the hadith that. We should value five things before five. <inaudible> value five things before five occur. And among these things are <inaudible> that value your free time before you become engaged in responsibilities. And then also was <inaudible> value your youth before old age arrives. So youth is also one of those things that once it departs, then it will never return. A poet once said to emphasize this point that al-lam yakun, That my youth has departed But it went so quickly as if it never existed And then he goes on to say Waja'a al-lam yazal. Subhanallah That my old age arrives as if this is going to remain forever He put it in a very beautiful way in poetry Because once you become old Then you remain old You can't go back to youth no matter how wealthy you are, we can't purchase We can't purchase youth. You can't purchase a time machine. There's no such thing as a time machine, right? So, سقمك, value health before your sickness. It is said that good health is actually a crown placed on the heads of those who are healthy. And it is only the sick that realize this. It is only the sick that realize this. You know, sometimes they say that a man spends his entire life in acquiring wealth and when he gets this wealth then by that time he, is, he has reached old age so what he does is that he uses this wealth to try to acquire his good health back but then this is never achieved once you're old then you remain old and you get closer to the grave so value your health before your sickness and Also, value your life before we pass away. And to emphasize this point also, I wanted to mention a story that was mentioned by my my Ustad, uh, Sheikh Muhammad Abbas Umar from South Africa. It's a very beautiful story, Mashallah. He says that there were once a group of friends who came to the big city from a village. And they said that, let us look for the tallest building in this town. So, SubhanAllah, they found a building which is 60 stories high, a building that they've never seen before. They came from a village in which the buildings are just about two or three stories maximum. They have never seen a a skyscraper which is 60 stories high. So they say, SubhanAllah, we would like to stay in this building while we visit the big city. Because we have never seen the dunya from such a high place before. So Alhamdulillah, it turned out that this 60-story building turned out to be a hotel. So what they did was that they decided that they wanted to stay on the 60th floor. They went to the hotel and they said to the person at the front desk that we would like to stay in this building. We would like to stay on the 60th floor. And he said that no problem, a room is available for you, but the only thing is that I have to warn you that the elevator is not working. It has not been working for two days. So what you have to do is that you have to take the stairs. You can stay on the 60th floor, but your only option is to take the stairs. So amongst each other, subhanAllah, they made mashwara, and they decided that, subhanAllah, this is our only chance where we'll get to stay on such a high level and see this dunya. So, you know, let us accept this offer and stay on the 60th floor, even if we have to climb the stairs. So now what they did was that they decided amongst each other that, what can we do so that we can make this climb less of a burden on us? what can we talk about amongst each other while we're take, while we're making this climb so that it will not seem to us as a long climb. So they decided that for the first 20 stories, let us speak about our childhood. Let us speak about our childhood. So like this, they start walking and each person gives their report. Each person says that, you know, subhanAllah, I went to this such and such elementary school. You know, this was my teacher. Alhamdulillah, you know, this person taught me Quran. These were my group of friends. You know, we used to do these silly and crazy things, Alhamdulillah. So like this, they went about, and they gave a report on their childhood. And then, subhanAllah, just like that, they reached the 20th story. So now 40 to go. So for the next 20 stories, they decided that, okay, let us now speak about our middle age, meaning what aspirations did they have in life? What did they want to become in life? You know, what did they end up doing? What did they end up becoming? So like this, they went on. One said that, SubhanAllah, I wanted to become a doctor. One said, you know, I became a businessman and I, I established this business. One said that, Alhamdulillah, I got married and so on and so forth. They went on like this until they reached the 40th floor. So now 20 more to go. So now, for the next 20 stories, they said, okay, now let us speak about the difficulties in life. Obviously, life is not only full of joys. There come sorrows as well. With the roses come thorns also. So now... Up to the 60th floor, they spoke about difficulties in life. One said, You know, I experienced a loss in my business. One said, You know, such and such person very close to me passed away. You know, so on and so forth. They spoke like this until they reached the 60th floor. So, Alhamdulillah, they reached the 60th floor and they get to their room door. And what happens is they look at each other now and they say, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un." That we left the room key downstairs. We left the room key downstairs. So now what? So Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that the average lifespan of those in my ummah is between 60 and 70 years. So this story which I just narrated is actually the story of every person or of the common man in this world. For example, the first 20 years that one spends is in play. The next 20 years is in setting up their dunya. And then the next 20 years, you know, slowly things start going downhill, health starts deteriorating, etc., until one reaches their grave. So a beautiful story about, about this very fact. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Quran, nafsan idha jaa ajaluha, that once we pass away, then no soul will be granted respite, meaning no one will be able to come back to the dunya to get a second chance. So the point of the story also is that those people on the sixtieth floor, they had a second chance to go back downstairs. And to get that key for their room. But once we reach that 60th story, or that 70th story, or that 80th story, whatever amount we are destined to live for, once we pass away, we will not have that second chance to go back, to come back to this dunya. So that is the point of this story. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us a chance. And over and over again, He took an oath in the Holy Quran, wal asr, and wal duha, etc., etc., all of these things regarding time to put emphasis on this fact and not only that Allah SWT has given us constant reminders in the Holy Quran about the previous nations that failed before us so that we do not fall into the same trap and we do not fail so only Allah SWT knows how much time each and every one of us have left so either we will use this ni'mah for our benefit or we will use it as a loss as it said in the in the other hadith that uh, sorry. That there are two blessings in which many people incur a loss And they are health and free time So these two hadith which I mentioned are very similar to each other in this very fact So That verily man is in a loss Now regarding man Allah ta'ala has said That we have surely honored man. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given insan such a lofty status, the highest status of all creation. So the potential is there for great success of insan, but the potential is there for great loss as well. And we are the only creation, insan is the only creation that has given, been given the choice from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to either obey or disobey. It is said in the Quran, That the seven heavens and the earth and all that is within them, they glorify and praise Allah. Everything that is within glorifies and praises Allah. Everything is engaged in the glorification and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the only creation that has been given the choice to obey or disobey is insan. So, According, if one obeys the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and if one stays firm in that, then it is possible for one to become the highest in level of daraja from all of creation. It is said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put two basic features in angels. And it is said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put, put two basic features in animals. So, the two features that have been put in angels are aqal, which is understanding, and also Ruhaniya. And what is ruhaniya? Ruhaniya is spirituality. And the two characteristics that have been put in animals are nafsaniya, which is self, want, and khashiat, which is desire. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given insan a bit of both qualities. Some angelic qualities as well as the qualities given to angels. So if Insan allows the angelic qualities to dominate him, so then Yani if insan allows his spiritual self to be enhanced, and if insan uses his aql in the right way, in the right manner, then it is possible to reach a level which is even higher than the level of the angels, because Allah says in the Quran, إن الذين آمنوا salihati, that those who believe and do good deeds, أولئك هم خير البرية that it's possible for them, أولئك هم خير البرية meaning that to reach the highest level of creation, and angels are also included in the creation, so. If one does these good deeds, it is possible they can reach the highest of levels. However, if one allows the characteristics given to animals to override him, then that person stoops so low that he will be worse off than animals. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَرَأَيْتَ مَنِ هَوَى That, what about those people who have adopted their desires as their deities? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them that, إِنْهُمْ إِلَّا الأَنعَامِ That they are like animals. Then he says, Balhum adal. Rather, they are worse than animals. May Allah SWT protect us from that. Because when animals have their qualities, at least at the minimum, at least they are still engaged in the worship of Allah. SWT. As we said, la la We read that ayah, that they are still engaged in the glorification and praises of Allah. SWT. But insan has been given that choice. So if we have those qualities to, to override us, and at the same time we're not praising and glorifying Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. then we will be worse off than even animals. So may Allah protect us from that. So this time we have been given is something very important and it will never return to us once we pass away and we must take advantage of it. So now that we have uh, covered some points with regards to the importance of time, what are some things we can do to gain barakah in our time? What are some things we can do? What are some things that we can easily implement into our daily lives for this cause? So I wanted to mention to you seven things that we can do if we practice these. And inshallah, we will get more barakah in our lives and in our time, inshallah. Seven things that we can implement daily. and We can do these easily. So the first thing that I wanted to mention is being firm in our farad duties. Being firm in our farad duties, our faraid. Now, being firm in all of that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory upon us. For example, salah. And that's usually the big one. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of people are lax in this. We all know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the five times daily salah obligatory upon us in their respective times. Some people are lax about this and they delay their salah. They, they say, oh, we'll make qada later on. But this is an obligation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our creator has made this obligatory upon us. It's one of the fundamental beliefs of Islam, one of the pillars of Islam. So, so one thing about, you know, I wanted to make this a bit relevant to students as much as possible since, you know, we're at the conference here. When it comes time for us to choose, you know, for students to choose their schedules, their scheduling for their semesters, etc., we should plan this in advance and keep in mind that time of the year, we should keep in mind the salah timings. And we should try to make our schedules in accordance to the Salah timings, meaning we should try to schedule our classes around the Salah so that we do not miss them. And we should try to make sure that we have some kind of break in between our classes where we can pray our Salah on time. You know, our teachers always used to say that once someone establishes their Salah, their five daily Salah on time, in their respective times, then they will see that Barakah in their life. Everything else in their life will get easier. Everything else in their life will get easier. Just as when we pass away, the first thing on the Day of Judgment that we will be questioned on by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our Salah. The first thing we'll be questioned on is our Salah. And if one passes that test on the Day of Judgment, everything afterwards will become easier. And if we fail that test, then things will become more difficult on that day. Similarly, our teachers used to say that in this life also, once we've established our Salah and we stay firm upon it in their respective times, then you will see that Barakah and things will become much easier. So if we do not even do the the acts, if we do not emphasize these things, then how, how do we expect to do more? How do we expect to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask him for anything that we want while we ourselves are not even fulfilling our basic duties which are made obligatory upon us? So establish your daily salah and of course the other farad duties. For example, sawm in Ramadan and those of us who are working, earning a halal income. And consuming halal food, etc. All of these things, we have to do these things in order to gain that barakah in our lives. So that's number one. Sticking to the faraid duties and being firm in them. That's number one. Number two is leaving the haram and leaving the sins. That's number two. Now how can we do this? This is of course something which is also a duty upon us. But unfortunately due to the weakness of our hearts, we are tempted to do things which are prohibited and are disliked. When it comes to things which are makruh or which are impermissible, especially makruh, we always say that oh, it's just makruh. You know, it's not it's not haram. It's only it's only makruh. But those who have a higher taqwa level, if something is makruh, then they will even avoid something like that. So the only way for our hearts to get stronger is to attain more taqwa. And how do we attain more taqwa? How do we get to a higher level? Obviously, this is not something which happens overnight. And this is something which I spoke about yesterday in the Q&A as well, uh, related to one question, that uh, the only way for us to attain more taqwa is to clean our hearts, to cleanse our hearts, to polish our hearts from the sins which have been gathered upon our hearts. And the only way we can do this is by doing two things. One is dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the other thing is making tawbah and making istighfar. If we do these two things, inshallah, our hearts will be cleansed. So istighfar is something we should take time to do every day. On our schedules, you know, after for example, after Isha, we should just take a few minutes to make istighfar every day. Rasulullah himself said that one should turn to Allah subhanahu ta'ala in repentance, as I myself turn to turn into uh turn to repentance to Allah 100 times daily. Subhanallah. Rasulullah, the best of all creation, the one who is forgiven of all sins, passed. And future sins. Yet he used to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in repentance 100 times daily. So we have absolutely no excuse to leave this out. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who repent. And He loves those who purify themselves. They purify them, their hearts from sins. So when one has committed a sin and... Is truly sorry and realizes that what they have done is wrong then alhamdulillah this is a very good sign. It is a sign that they are you know getting to that level of balancing out fear and hope. Meaning fear of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have mercy upon them and forgive them. So and regarding this Umar radiallahu ta'ala, who once gave a very beautiful statement regarding the balance of fear and hope he said that if it is announced on the day of judgment that only one person is to enter Jannah, I would have hope that this person is me. And if it is announced that only one person is to enter the hellfire, then I would have fear that it is me. SubhanAllah. Such a beautiful statement from Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that we are weak and that we have our shortcomings, but the opportunity is there. He is waiting for us to turn to him in repentance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us, Ya ayuhal amanu, tubu ilallahi tawbatan nasuha. Then, O oh, you who believe, turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in repentance, with a sincere repentance. So, Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala reported that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, by the, one who's, by the one in whose hand my life is, if you had not sinned, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have removed you. He would have removed you and brought in other people who did commit wrong sin, who, who did commit wrong actions, and asked for forgiveness after committing these wrong actions. SubhanAllah. This hadith shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that we are weak. But he is there waiting for us. He is there waiting for us to turn to him in repentance. And to be sincere in our tawbah and sincere in our istighfar. So that we may ask him for forgiveness and so that he will forgive us. So it is just up to us to turn to him and to ask him for forgiveness. And the second thing uh, to cleanse the heart which I mentioned is the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abu Darda said regarding dhikr that for everything there is a polish and the polish for the heart is the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the dhikr of Allah if one if one does not remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often then the person's heart will become rusty in accordance to how neglectful that person is and when this rust accumulates on the heart, what happens? then it no longer recognizes things as they are which is something very, very dangerous. And the heart becomes blackened. And when this occurs, then it corrupts the heart's recognition of things. The heart's recognition of things becomes corrupt. Then the heart does not accept the truth, and it does not reject falsehood also. And they say that this is the greatest calamity that could strike the heart. May Allah protect us from that. So dhikr is something we do not need wudu for even, something very easy that we can do. And as I mentioned yesterday in the Q&A session that uh, for relevant to students, you know, as we're walking around campus, class to class, etc. You know, we can make the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, Allah Akbar to ourselves. This is something that if we constantly engage ourselves in the dhikr of Allah, we will always be remembering Allah in our hearts. And that in itself will make someone mindful. It will remind them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is watching us. It will, you know, create that feeling in their heart. If they are tempted to do something, inshallah, it will... You know, help them and prevent them from uh, fulfilling their desires and you know and doing things which are Haram. So having this remembrance of Allah is something which is very, very important. If we do these things, then inshallah, the hearts will get polished. So that's the second thing. The third thing that we can do is that before any of the good actions that we do, we must have the proper niyyah. We must have the proper intention. Intention is something which is very, very, very important. As the famous hadith says, the very first hadith which is uh, mentioned in Bukhari innamal a'malu binniyat that actions are judged according to the intention. Actions are based are based on the intention that one has. So of course in order for barakah and reward to be in any good activity or in any ibadah or in any good deed that we do, we must have the intention that we are doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah alone, nothing else. Remember that Allah is the provider. We need him. He is not the one that needs us. And if one intends their act for showing off, or if one intends to do their act for the sake of gaining material wealth or for gaining something else for themselves, then in that case we have just wasted time. Not only will that deed not count as as a good deed, but one will be, one will get a sin for, you know, making the intention for doing that deed other than for the sake of Allah. So making niyyah, making intention. And having that firm intention is something very important that we must do. That that will put barakah in the entire act that one will do. That's number three. Number four is saying Bismillah before doing any good deeds and saying the different du'as that that Rasulullah ﷺ has prescribed for us. And this is something very, very easy, yet something that we always forget to do. Now as we all know, subhanAllah, that Islam is a complete way of life. Islam is a complete way of life, and Rasulullah sallallahu taught us everything, not just the ibadat, but he taught us muamalat. He taught us not only the things hukukullah, the rights of Allah subhanahu wa taala, but hukukul ibad as well, how to conduct ourselves with others, the rights of others, etc. He taught us everything. He even taught us how to answer the call of nature properly, etc. All of these things were taught by Rasulullah sallallahu and there are many du'as that Rasulullah sallallahu taught us, which we can implement in our daily lives. Things that are very easy for us to say. For example, du'a when waking up, du'a when entering the bathroom, du'a when exiting the bathroom, du'a before eating, du'a after eating, du'a before sleeping. So many du'as that we can implement in our daily lives. And the reason Rasulullah taught us these du'as is so that we have that, again, we have that remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa taala throughout our day, throughout our daily lives. These are things that we do in our daily lives. And with these du'as, inshallah we can... You know, for the sake of gaining barakah and also remembering Allah, the du'as are there. And this takes us back to the second point of making dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something that will put barakah into our daily lives. Related to this point is also following the Sunnah of Rasulullah S.A.W. with these daily activities. Now, if we implement the sunnas of things that we do daily, for example, eating, drinking, sleeping. Etc. If we implement the sunnahs that are There for these things then You know these things that we do daily They can also be a way of ibadah They can also be counted as ibadah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward us for these things And these are not things that you know that we will do That will take us completely Out of our way these are things that we do anyway In our daily lives So if we learn the proper sunnahs Of how to do these things and if we do them Then inshallah they will be a source of ibadah For us as well since we do them daily anyway Why not do it according to sunnah so that's number four. Number five, and this is something which is, which is always a big problem for students, and it is waking up early and getting one's work done early. The uh, said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is a hadith related in Musnad Ahmad, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the early hours of the day blessed for my ummah. The early hours of the day have been blessed for my ummah. So the early hours of the day are filled with barakah and blessings, and also you get so much done. One should try to stay. One should try to wake up for fajr, obviously, and stay awake after that. They should engage themselves for a short time in dhikr of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and start on their work uh, before going back to sleep. When we were in madrasah, when we were in school, and many madaris have this schedule, that you know, Alhamdulillah, we get up at fajr time or before fajr. We get up. We pray our fajr. After fajr, then. You know, you do some dhikr of Allah, have a quick breakfast, and then immediately start your classes. And there's a lot of barakah and blessings in this time, and we notice this in madrasa ourselves. And then halfway throughout the day, afternoon, then the schedule was you take a short nap. And then you get up, and then it's like the day has been split into two. So then you're fresh for the second part of the day, and you can get a lot of work done in the second part as well. Subhanallah. So it's something, there is a lot of barakah, and there are a lot of blessings with having this schedule and this is a schedule which has been followed in Madaris you know for many many years so and another good thing for university students which i should mention is that if one schedules their classes early then also there will be no risk of missing the salah times especially when it comes to winter when bohor and maghrib are very close to each other in timings you know inshallah you can get your classes done take a short nap and then be fresh for the rest of the day so waking up early and getting one's work done early. There's barakah in there as Rasulullah has mentioned in the hadith. And number six is reading the Holy Qur'an. And this is something which many of us do not show importance in. We do not show enough importance in and we neglect this fact. The Qur'an is our way of life. It is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are so many narrations and various blessings and rewards one can do for reciting the Qur'an. Quran The Quran, the uh, hadith of Rasulullah ﷺ, that the Quran will either, be, it will, either be, will either be for us on the Day of Judgment or it will be against us. Meaning that it will either intercede for us or against us on the Day of Judgment. Those who read it, those who did not neglect it, those who read it frequently, inshallah it will intercede on our behalf on the Day of Judgment. But those who rejected it and those who did not practice upon it, then it will be? A means against us on the Day of Judgment. May Allah protect us from that. And so many hadith have mentioned the rewards of not reading the Qur'an as a whole, but just even reading certain verses and certain surahs of the Holy Qur'an. For example, the surah which emphasizes Tawheed, Surah Ikhlas, one of the shortest surahs in the Qur'an, qul هُوَ اللَّهُ samad That surah, there have been many hadith mentioning that reading Surah Ikhlas One gets the reward of reading one-third of the whole Qur'an just by reading that surah. Subhanallah. And Surah Mulk, for example, is also a protection from the punishment of the grave. And it will also be a means of intercession on the Day of Judgment. Just like Surah Sajda. And also, Ayatul Kursi, for example, offers protection. Surah and Jum'ah. Surah Waqiyah, uh, so that one is provided risk in, in the dunya. There are so many surahs which have different virtues. That we must take advantage of so and again like I said these are just single surahs and single verses of the Holy Quran imagine the barakah in the entire Holy Quran it's unfortunate that you know we make time to read other magazines and other novels other books but when it comes to the Holy Quran it just sits there in our closets gathering dust We must take it out of our closets and establish a connection with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and at least dedicate a few minutes daily to it. Read a few pages, as much as we can daily. Even if it's a few pages, just take out 10-15 minutes of your schedule. Try to make a daily schedule and, you know, make a certain time that, okay, I will dedicate this time just to the Holy Quran. We live in an era of ever-changing technology. You know, we have, we have flat screens, Xboxes, iPhones and iPads, Internet, all of these things are around. And many of these things have become sources of time wasters for us. So if we just take a few minutes out of our day to read the Holy Quran, if we take ourselves away from these from these uh, different things daily and just you know dedicate it for the Holy Quran, then inshallah we'll gain that barakah and, and that blessing in our lives. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, kitabun anzal that this is a book which we have sent down bringing blessings. So this book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has been a book brought down containing blessings. It is just up to us to read this Quran so that we may gain these blessings, inshallah. And the seventh thing that I wanted to say, the seventh and final thing I wanted to mention is making dua and making shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala daily. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, <laughs> That your Rabb says, supplicate to me and I shall answer you. Verily, those who are too proud to worship me shall soon enter the hellfire in humiliation. And the hadith states, الدعاء مخل عبادة. Rasulullah wasallam said, الدعاء مخل عبادة. That dua is the essence of worship. Supplication is the essence of worship. So dua has been called the essence of the ibadah for a couple of reasons. First one is that one has fulfilled their obligation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by calling on him, as it says in the verse which I just recited. Allah, Allah is saying, he's, he's telling us to call upon him. So one has fulfilled that obligation by calling on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so obviously calling on Allah in itself is a worship. And also when calling on Allah, one has realized that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can fulfill one's needs. It is only the power of Allah, only up to Allah to fulfill one's needs. So this person has full reliance on their Lord. And he, they have turned their attention to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And asking dua to Allah is also a way for one to, you know, have humbleness, humility in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what they call ibadah, the essence of worship. So that's making dua and also making shukr. Making shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something which is also necessary. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Qur'an, that remember me, so I will remember you, and وشكروني. be thankful to me, and do not deny the favor, meaning, do not deny the favors which I have bestowed upon you. And also, Allah SWT says, That if you show gratitude, meaning for the many favors bestowed upon you, then I will definitely grant you more. If you show gratitude, then I will grant you more. And if you are ungrateful, then indeed my punishment is severe. So we have been blessed with so many things. It is our duty to show humility to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala. Allah is the one who has provided us and he is the one who can take it away from us in an instant. And I'll give you a couple of examples of this uh, quickly in a moment. But first if we make shukr, as I said in the ayah, if one makes shukr, then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala will bless us with, the, with even more. And there will be even more barakah and blessings in our lives. But if we do not, then there is a punishment. So, in the famous hadith, even showing how Rasulullah ﷺ made shukr to Allah, once when Rasulullah ﷺ was standing in prayer for so long at night, his feet became swollen up. So, Aisha anha asked Rasulullah ﷺ that, O Messenger of Allah, your past and your future sins have been forgiven. So, why are you doing so much ibadah? Why are you exerting yourself by doing so much ibadah? When your feet are getting swollen like this. So Rasulullah ﷺ said that shall I, not be a, shall I not be a thankful slave? Shall I not be a thankful servant? SubhanAllah. So Rasulullah ﷺ again Not only did he make istighfar 100 times a day But he stands all night in worship The one who is the greatest of creation Whose sins have been forgiven He stands all night in worship also Worshipping to Allah Taala, Being thankful to him for everything that he has granted So Another thing to mention that if we do not make Shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is the goal of the shaitan. Shaitan has stated there's a verse in the Quran that says, shakirin. These are the words of Shaitan when he says that in order to mislead them, I will approach them from the front, from their backs, from their right, and from their left. And you and you, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will not find most of them to be thankful to you. So this is the goal of the shaitan. The way that shaitan makes people disbelieve is by being ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we must make shukr. And there's only a couple of minutes left, but I wanted to uh, mention an example of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can take one's wealth away overnight by, uh, for those who are not thankful. In one hadith, it states that Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala, reported that Rasulullah sallallahu said that three of the children of Bani Israel, three of the Bani Israel were, were uh, respectively uh, given a test by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One was a leper, one was bald, and one was blind. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to put these people to a test. So he sent an angel to them. So he said that he came to the leper, meaning the angel came to the leper, and he said that, what would you like best? So the leper said, I would like a good complexion and clear skin and the thing that I have, which makes people find me unclean to be taken away from me. So the angel wiped him and his impurity left him and gave him a good complexion. So the angel now asked him, what property do you like best? So he said, camels. And there's uh, a little shuck in this riwayah. You know, he either said camels or he said cattle. But it was, it was one of the two. So what happened was that uh, the angel granted him this for wealth. So he said, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you in it. So now he came to the bald man and he said that, what would you like best? And he said that, I would like a good head of hair and to have what people consider distasteful about me removed from me. So the angel touched him and removed what he had and gave him thick hair. He said, what property would you like best? And he said, cattle. So he gave him a pregnant cow and he said, may Allah bless you in it. Then he went to the blind man and he said, what would you like best? And he said that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returned my sight to me so that I can see the people. So he touched him and, he, and Allah returned his sight to him. So then he said, what property would you like best? And he said, sheep. So so he gave him a pregnant sheep. Now what happened was all of these animals gave birth and they produced offspring. The one One of them had a valley full of camels, one had a valley full of cattle, and the other had a valley full of sheep. So they... Produced so many, subhanAllah. Then, now what happened was Allah Taala wanted to test them. So the angel came back in the form that they used to be in. So he came, the angel uh, came to the leper in the form of a leper, the one who used to be a leper. He came to the uh, that person in the form of a leper and he said, I am a poor man who has lost uh, his means on his journey. Today I can seek none but Allah and then you. I ask you, by the one who gave you a good complexion and good skin and property, for a, for just one camel, so that I can complete my journey. Just one camel. So he said, I have many obligations. He said, I seem to recognize you. Were you not a leper that people found unclean and poor, and then Allah was generous to you? He said, I inherited this property, elder son from elder son, meaning he lied about that. So he said, if you are if you are a liar in your claim, may Allah return you as you were. And now he went to the bald man in his own form and appearance, and he said to him the same as he had to the leper and he replied to him the same way. He said, if you are a liar, may Allah return you as you were. Then he went to the blind man in his own form and appearance and he said to him, I am a poor man who has lost his means on a journey. Today I can seek none but, but Allah and then you. I ask you by the one who returned your eyesight to you for just one sheep so I can complete my journey. So the blind man said, I was blind and Allah restored my sight to me. So take what you want and leave what you want. By Allah, I will not be hard on you about anything which you take. For Allah, the, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gave me back my eyesight. SubhanAllah. So, the angel said, keep your property. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has tested you and you have passed your test. Allah is pleased with you and he is angry with your companions. So, the other two who lied, they were returned to their old form. They were granted so much by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so many blessings, but... What happened was they became arrogant. They did not have that recognition that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who blessed them with everything. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested them and took that away from them. For not being grateful to him. So we must have that shukr, And we must be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'd like to end, uh, my time is up, but I'd like to end just by, by one saying. And that is the advice regarding this point. The advice of Luqman alayhi to his son Luqman the wise. In the Quran it says, وَلَقَدْ لُكْمَانَ الْحِكْمَةَ That Luqman a.s. said to his son, And whoever is grateful, is grateful for the benefit of himself. And whoever denies Allah's favors, then Allah is free of need and he and Allah wa ta'ala is praiseworthy. So if we're not thankful to Allah, wa ta'ala, it's not going to matter to Allah. Allah wa ta'ala can do as He wills. It's, to the benefit of ourselves that we are thankful to Allah so these were seven points inshallah that if we follow these very easy things to do very simple things to do and we just have to take a few minutes for many of them per day if we follow these things inshallah we will put more barakah in the time that we have and inshallah it will be a means of reward and blessings for the hereafter inshallah so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to practice upon these things and take advantage of all of the blessings that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh to offer for us wa akhudu da'waini alhamdulillahirabbil alamin subhanallahi wa bihamdihi asalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa